Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Fun Radio from Japan. This week, a ghost story. Japan is full of mythology. Stories of power spots. There are towns that are famous for fairies, or kappa, which are these little river-dwelling demons, or red ogres called oni. Perhaps the most famous story of all, though, happens in the dense heat of summer, a time when the spirits of the dead return to us. This week, we begin a journey to explore Obon, one which will take us on a pilgrimage across the entire length of Japan, as we call back the spirit of my dad from the dead. Our story begins at night, in the middle of Tokyo, in, of all places, an amusement park. Please do not hold or give piggyback rides to other riders. Please refrain from brining umbrellas and staff-like objects on the ride. Uh, please refrain from behaviors that interfere with other customers indeed. No photos, no mobile phones, no eating... Tokyo Dome in the middle of summer. An honestly kind of tame and charmingly dated amusement park with a whiff of the early 2000s around it. There's a roller coaster though. And the air is sweet with popcorn and melon ice cream floats. Mika and I are queuing outside the main attraction for the summer months, the haunted house. Why couldn't it have been a haunted ramen restaurant instead? Also, our friend Nick is with us. The designer, Hirofumi Gomi, is known to use live actors, horrific imagery, and implements a story which gives the participant a mission to heighten their psychological thrill. Okay, so here's the story. Story. Sakita was a very good barber. He got acquainted with a woman named Eriko and got married after giving a necklace. The stories of these places usually involve a vengeful yurei or ghost. Usually a woman who is murdered by their possessive and cheating husband who has some kind of weird hobby like moth collection. One day, Sakita hurt the customer's neck. He is mentally chased by the incident. <laughs> the story this year is about a barber who cut off his wife's head in jealousy. Our mission was to deliver her necklace through the house safely. If you walk wearing a necklace at night, a razor will attack from the dark with a voice saying, I will cut it well next time. But Nick had his own interpretation. The colonel was a very good fry cook. You get the idea. The queue on this night was long. Mostly young couples wanting their summer date night fright. Summer in my home is usually meant to be beaches, barbecues, batches and cricket. So I couldn't relate at all to Japan where July and August are the months when the veil between our world and the world of the departed is thinnest. It's a Buddhist tradition called Obon. We may not always cross to their realm, but they almost always come back to ours. Unless, of course, they died horrifically. If you fry chicken at night, a vat of boiling oil will attack you from the dark. Oh no, that's the terrifying. saying, I will fry it well next time. <laughs> <laughs> I will fry it well next time. That's terrifying. 
Why haunted houses? Because Obon is coming. Summer is approaching. It means Obon is approaching. Is that we expect the dead may come to us. That's the creator of the haunted house and the CEO of Office Burn, Hirofumi Gomi, through a translator, Makoto-san. Gomi-san says in Japan, summer is Obon, and Obon is summer. They are synonymous. If Obon is finished, mm. the summer is finished, summer is end. That is everybody's understanding. Mm. I first learned about Obon from Mika shortly after moving here. At first, it was just a word that I heard used around the summer holidays. Like, oh yeah, it's Obon at the moment. Then I learned that it was a time that it did come back, that we invite them back, they stay for a few days and then we send them off again. And during that time, there were lots of different ways to enjoy the company of your dead loved ones. You would go to their graves and give them a clean. You would go to the temple. And you would go to local festivals. Sometimes they're huge citywide parties. And sometimes they're just small neighborhood affairs. A lot of them are called Bon Odori, the dance of Obon. We would see them glowing from car parks and empty lots as we cycled around in the evening. With their food stalls and their strings of lanterns, they looked so inviting, beckoning me towards them. There's been a few deaths in my family recently, so I allowed my curiosity to pull me closer to Obon. This is a story about my experience calling back the ghosts of my family. It's going to be an intense ride, and central to it are Japanese festivals. Hirofumi Gomi says the summer festival can help us understand the relationship between Japan and the dead. History, some, some place like haunted area that people are killed to purify this area. They uh, introduced like many theater, festival area, and the people enjoy. So that some people can make a normal life. For this story, it'll be important to know what a summer festival actually is, like what they sound and what they feel like. So, for some examples, we went to a couple of the biggest festivals in Japan. I'm covered in bells. Give me a shake, Mika. We're covered in bells. And flowers. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's really something. It's different. <laughs> All right, let's go find a group to join. Okay. Aomori, the northernmost prefecture of Japan's main island, Honshu. In August, there's a week-long festival here like none other in the country. Nebuta.
parade of massive floats constructed from wire and paper, depicting enormous Shinto and Buddhist gods, legends, local stories, all lit from their insides. Following them are the taiko. And then the dancers, the chanters. Anyone wearing the appropriate dress, the Nebuta Yukata, can join. We rented ours. They were white with flecks of colour, a large yellow or red bow on the back, and a large hat like an upside-down V, covered in paper flowers and bright colours. We bought bells and tied them all over our outfit. The idea is to raise as much joy as possible. That's just the warm-up. You leave the sidelines and the grandstands and head into the street. You find a group and join them, and wait for the signal. Then you start the chant, a welcoming call for all onlookers to join in the festivities. The mess of people involved creates a whirlwind of energy, an enormous good vibe generator, sending positivity into the earth and sky, into the soil which they depend on for a good harvest, and to the gods, an offering of devotion and love to protect them during the bitter and cruel winter. The Nebuta Summer Festival is one of the official 100 soundscapes of Japan. And although it's not actually an Obon festival, Obon sometimes comes on a similar scale. Far away from Aomori, in Tokushima, on the island of Shikoku, is the Awa Odori. Like Nebuta, it's every night for a week. Grandstands set up all over the city to see a more choreographed and rehearsed display. Grids of women, arms raised over their heads, tiptoeing through the streets, resembling a school of fish, followed by the men waving small lanterns and bandanas tied under their noses. Our Odori, like Nebuta, has its origins in a good harvest and fertility rites, but its origins are also in Obon, as a call into the water, into the rivers and oceans, that it's time for the dead to return. I wanted to experience Obon for myself. A desire which only grew after reading a book called Where the Dead Pause and the Japanese Say Goodbye. A memoir by Marie Mutsuki-Moke, a half-Japanese-American. She explores Obon in the context of Buddhism, mythology and folklore. 
it struck my curiosity so strongly that I had to find out for myself whether the dead truly do come back. Marie Mockett says that Obon is different for everyone, but for her, it's been very real. You know, the first time I would have been a child, so there, I have had numerous bizarre experiences in Japan, but I remember this time when we called the Spirits of the Dead home, I had a dream, and it had something to do with stars tumbling down out of the sky and landing at my feet. I remember writing something about that, and what I, what I most remember thinking was, I can't believe it worked. I can't believe this is real. And then I also remember saying to myself, don't be ridiculous, Marie, you know that this works and you know that this is real. It, it always has worked and always has been real, <laughs> you know? You should know better than to be surprised by this. Um, and yet I was. About four years ago, my dad passed away. He had had a sudden diagnosis of motor neurone disease, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, was given one to 11 years and died within five months. Two months after him, his mother, my grandmother, passed away. And then a year later, her husband, my grandfather. Six months after him, a close friend of mine back home took his own life after a long and honestly heroic coexistence with mental illness. In just over a year and a half, I'd lost four people very important to me. And so death still felt close. And like something I was kind of comfortable with now. So you can understand why I wanted to understand Obon. I decided to give it a try. Together with Mika, we would call back my dad from the dead. Marie provides some examples of how this can be done. So depending on where you are in Japan, you have different methods for calling home the ancestors. It could be writing down the names of the dead and going to the local temple and ringing a gong or just lighting incense. The welcome home is called the omukai, or the great greeting. For hours, we decided to go to a bonodori in Shimokitazawa, near our neighborhood. Some kind of fire is usually involved as well, so I wanted to see some fireworks and light a lantern, and also make a small shrine for my dad in our apartment. After spending a few days together, it'll be time for the owakare, or the great party. One of the famous ones is writing the names of the deceased on lanterns, and then setting those glowing lanterns afloat on a body of water, um, carrying the soul of the dead back out to the land of the dead. There are hundreds of summer festivals here, so we did some research, planned it out. Unsurprisingly, it was in the regions where Obon seemed to be most preserved. So after welcoming Dad back in Tokyo, we'd travel to Fukuoka in Kyushu, and then drive to a small island called Hirado, where there was a strange bonodori called the Jangara. And then finally, on to Nagasaki, where there looked to be an intense and chaotic city-wide festival, an awakare called the Shoro Nagashi. I hadn't seen my dad in years. I was excited. Let the Obon begin. Oh, no. 
finish off as a ghost. But, um, they're not segways, are they? They are a ghost. He's a ghost in a... We're still in Tokyo. It's a hot late July evening. And we're in Shimokitazawa for the Bonodori. The first step in welcoming Dad back. Our friends Susie and Stuart are with us. It's our first ghost of summer. When we arrived, the theme of the Shimokita Bonodori was playing over the speaker. And we were nervous. The Bonodori is danced in a circle around the main stage in the center of the festival. If you're in it, all the eyes of the spectators are on you. They want people to join in, should we join in? You want to join in? They're like, come on, join in, join in, join in. I was like, I don't know, he's like, it doesn't matter, come on, join in. Mika and Stuart try to summon their courage and make baby steps towards the procession around the podium. They kind of mimic the steps and hand gestures, trying to pick up the pattern and logic of the dance. Meanwhile, I'm growing nervous for a different reason. I was about to invite my dad back from the dead. It sounds fine, but like, when you're in the position of actually doing it, it starts to get real. I didn't know what to expect. Would I feel him next to me? Like, would he come back? Like, hey, here I am, I'm back. Would I see him in a dream, or would he appear as a ghost? Would he get some weird Japanese messenger in his afterlife? It's like a false sense of security. Like, there's like one move they do four times and you're like, right, I've got it. And you walk in and then there's like seven move changes in a row. I also was about to enter into another world. The practices of another culture. And one I didn't entirely understand. I got tense and confused. But then I just decided. I think we should do it. I think we should do it. Well, Stuart and I just tried. Half-heartedly, but it's really hard. You want to do it? I'll do it with you. That's, that's too hard. Like, I think the hardest thing for me is coordinating two parts of my body at the same time. I could go around and just do the arms, maybe? I could do a round. I've never done one before. We deliberate coordinating our limbs into a series of foreign movements that we wouldn't be comfortable with even in the culture context of our own culture. Then Shoin Ginger plays. Oh, Shoin Ginger? Shoin Ginger is a small town near where we live. I guess you could say town. It would have been one day. Now it is a small street of shops, cafes, miso stores. The kind of place you imagine when you imagine a small Tokyo shopping street. More fit for bicycles than cars. We love showing ginger. I love showing ginger. It's so local. It felt like it was the right one. So we join it. We turn around the podium in small steps. Mick Jagger-like points left and right. Some sassy claps. <laughs> I'm obviously enjoying myself. Now I've been going to Bonadotti's for a few years now, but this is the first one I've ever joined. It's fun, and showing ginger is a new, kind of silly dance. 
known as macabre or solemn, as some of the classics. At the same time, I'm conscious, mindful of the fact that I'm taking part in a ritual. A very, very old rite. To welcome back my dead loved ones. To call them to me. To dance in this circle around the taiko drum. Here, in Shimokita of all places, it feels so divorced from religion and tradition. But that's exactly what makes it feel right. Whether Dare was with us or not, I didn't know exactly. No longer a Matsuri virgin. You popped your you popped your Matsuri in the most stylish of ways. But he felt a little closer. I feel sweaty. And at this point, I'm thinking about her more than I have in a while. The dance was the first step. For the second, we needed to make an altar to my dad in our home. But before that, there was a huge firework display that night in the center of Tokyo. The dead are usually summoned back through fire and water. So what better gesture than fireworks? This is the side of Tokyo you usually try and avoid. If you're willing to shuffle your feet forward for about 45 minutes past megaphone police and yakitori stands, you can find yourself a little closer to the action and stand and watch, ignoring the pleas of the cops for you to keep moving. It's so pretty. Elsewhere throughout Japan, so people were returning to their family homes, to their grandparents' houses. They were lighting small fires on street corners and on their balconies. They were putting candles inside lanterns with the family name on them. We were on a boulevard in the middle of Tokyo watching fireworks. It meant to welcome people home with fire. Yeah. You know, sending up huge bolts of fire into the sky. As a celebration of fertility and heat and the joy of being outside and having survived the winter, it also became a celebration of Obon the welcoming of our loved ones home. It feels something appropriate about seeing this fire. There is one part of Obon that we can't do. We can't visit my dad's grave to give it a wash or light some incense. Not because we're in Japan, but because he doesn't have one. 
The closest thing is Kepity Island, north of my home, Wellington, a large lumpy mass lying isolated in the Tasman Sea. In the few short months my father was sick, I would find him sometimes sitting in his apartment, a self-made hospice he moved into after he could no longer climb the stairs in his home, looking out across the water towards the island and watching the sunset behind it. One of our last times together was an evening spent sitting in silence, watching Hunt for the Red October, a movie he chose knowing his death was approaching. Maybe it reminded him of better days, before the mistakes and the divorce and then the long silence that followed. I sat watching this ridiculous piece of propaganda with him as the island turned red outside. Then one day, not too long after, I took turns with my brothers to say goodbye. I'm the youngest, by a long stretch, so I went last. And when I left the apartment, I went across the road, got into my car, and lit a cigarette, and watched the sun sink behind Capity one more time. After that, it was kind of hard for me to return to the coast for a while. When I did, I would round the hill at Pukurua Bay. I would see the large, round, lumpy mass of my father lying in the water, knowing the sun would disappear behind it again if I didn't get out of there quickly enough. Seven Eleven printing machine. Read the notes and press the OK button. Okay. Okay. God bless the Japanese convenience store. You can pay your bills, get your baseball tickets, pick up your Amazon deliveries, and collect your dead loved ones. Start off. Oh, here it comes. Oh. Your dad's arriving. <laughs> We're printing him out. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. We did the dance. Went to the combini. Here he is. <laughs> hey, hey, hello. <laughs> it's later that night, well, after anyway. the bonodori and the fireworks. The so we've been drinking for several hours now. Should we make him bigger? Do you want to make him bigger? Yeah, let's make him bigger. How do you make him bigger? Well, let's go resume printing. We have to make a shrine for dad at the apartment. So we're here to print off Dad's photo. Oh, I can hear him coming. Here he comes. Does it do it what? Jesus. What? He's coming out of the machine. <laughs> Nothing is coming about. around here. Here's my father. Here he is. <laughs> there he is. Well, now we have two of them. Okay, well, we've printed Dad out. Uh, let's go get him some treats. <laughs> okay. This is next in the Japanese tradition. We needed to buy some offerings for his shrine. But it turns out the Japanese convenience store poses a challenge to how well I know my father. Okay. Um, what is dad like? What do we got? Well, we have Yosemite Road Chardonnay. We have Petite Monteria. <laughs> uh, it's a red wine. I don't want anything with a 7-Eleven brand <laughs> on it. <laughs> Alright, then do you want Petite Monteria? Well, let's get the, the green Petite Monteria, because it looks the most like a wine bottle. Okay, it's a can. It's, it's a can of wine bottle. <laughs> Jesus, I'm the worst son ever. 
I'm sorry, Dad. We're doing the best you can. While participating in this act of consumerism, this fun jaunt of welcoming the ghost of my father back started to feel a lot heavier. So like some mixed nuts would be... Oh, what a second, do you like coffee? He wasn't a big whiskey drinker, was he? Well, I drank most of his whiskey. Let's get these. Yeah, I think he would like that. Yeah. These little chocolate almonds. You know what? It's kind of a sad sight in the basket. It's going to be nice when we all set it up. The off. nuts and the stuff and the chocolate almonds and the can of wine. But like, <laughs> it, it also looks like an accurate reflection of my dad. It feels like he's coming to visit, you know, like he's in New Zealand and he's coming over. Like, yeah. should we buy him a can of wine? Yeah. Should we buy him some almonds? Yeah. <laughs> should we buy him some Fran? No. I think my dad would have... He did like Kit Kats, I think, from memory. Oh, really? Should we get him some Kit No, Kats that's too? embarrassing. Let's forget that. At the checkout, I eye the purchases one by one feeling the pressure to honour my dad's memory correctly, honourably. After all, I'd never made a shrine before. Oh, Dad, I'm sorry I got you this measly shit. It's not measly. It would be nice. Well, I know, if, if, if I went to someone's house and they had peanuts, chocolate almonds and a can of wine waiting for me, I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like a gesture. It's just like being like, here you go. Welcome back. Have some nuts. Have an almond. <laughs> We went home. I cut out his photo, stuck it onto a piece of thick cardboard, trimmed it and placed it on a small table in the corner of the apartment. I surrounded it with our final haul, sake, wine, nuts and chocolate almonds. Next to him I placed a small shoot of purple and green flowers in a thin ceramic vase. He still looked alone, so I gave him some friends the bouncing-headed akabeko, or red cow, and a hand-painted doll from Fukushima, the manekineko from our own Kotokuchi shrine, a daruma with one eye coloured in, representing my promise to my dad to quit smoking, and a small host of other cute characters. Above the scene, I hung a cloth depicting autumn leaves and a grumpy-looking daruma from Tenruji Temple in Kyoto. The final touch was a small pink lantern that I dangled above it all. The display was a far cry from that which is usually found in Japanese homes. The heavy appearance of the dark wooden Buddhist shrines called Butsudan, with their drawers and small doors which swing open to reveal gold interiors with photos and offerings. But it represented me and my dad as best as I could. And it felt full of love. Alright, so it's about 10 o'clock at night on Monday the 13th of August. 
We're in Fukuoka, Kyushu. Nakasu. What's Nakasu? Nakasu is the island um, in between some canal and a river. It's full of... Um, there are lots of ways to begin Auburn. In some parts of Japan, they pierce sticks into cucumbers and eggplants to resemble legs, turn them into little horses on which to gallop to us with speed, and oxen for when Auburn is over to leave us as slowly as possible. I don't have a family home in Japan to return to for the season. So to be with my dad, I go to where I last saw him, the water. So we're walking into the convenience store to get some beers. In my left hand, I'm holding a bag with a paper lantern in it. And um, it's the 13th, so we're gonna welcome my dad uh, to Kyushu for Obon with us. The 13th is the first night of the Obon, first day of the Obon festivities, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it changes depending on where you are. Yeah. But um, in these parts, it's, today is the first day. All these people in Yukata. Fukuoka is the closest city to the continent. It's only 214 kilometers from Korea. You can jump on a ferry here and be in Busan in about three hours. Yeah, tonight's about welcoming Dad back from the dead. Well, he's been with us already. I think he, I think he's been around there. It's got a reputation for its seaside beauty, its ramen, its street food carts called yatai, and its canals. On this night, it was hot, stifling. It's time for us to do one final step in our welcome, the lighting of his lantern. We find a private enough setting near a canal on a series of stone steps leading down to the water. It's a nice place to sit and welcome your deceased father back. With a baro, a nice one. I write my dad's name on the lantern. John Gilbert. When we've surrounded his name with love hearts and korus, we wax seal a small candle to the inside base. I'm kind of scared. It's narrow and paper, and we have to lower a match a long way into it to light it. Okay. Here we go. There it is. It's lit. That's really pretty. It's really pretty. You welcome your dad back? Um, should I say something? Yeah, maybe. <sighs> what do you want to say to your dad? Um, let's have fun. Um, we're going to drive to Nagasaki tomorrow, yeah. well, to Hirado, and there'll be some dancing if you want to do a dance with us. Yeah. Uh, we won't be dancing. No, but some people will be. And, um, uh, I'm sorry you died so quickly, and I hope you're okay.
reckon he's on his way? He's already here. be nice to sort of see him again, eh? Dad? Yeah. Mm. Don't you think? I, I would like him to come back for one day, and uh, he remembers all the, he remembers everything that happened, he remembers being dead, and, and he comes back for one day, and the first thing I would say to him is, so what did you learn? <laughs> <laughs> On radio was created in the corner booth of a family restaurant and produced using cheap convenience store headphones by me, Chris Gilbert. Its translator, interpreter, social media manager, and travel pal is Mika Riley. Thank yous for this episode go to our friend Susie and Stewart, to Marie Muskie-Mockett, who agreed to be interviewed twice after the audio was corrupted the first time, and to Hirofumi Gomi, who put up with emails from me for a year before we sat down together. And thank you to all of you who have left ratings, left reviews, and got in touch with us to tell us how much you're enjoying Fun Radio. It's really great to hear all the different reasons why you like it, telling us lines they liked or moments that made them laugh. So please keep that coming. Fun Radio from Japan was made entirely in our own time, financed entirely out of our own pocket, and believe it or not, we don't really have a marketing budget. So please tell your friends or your family or your colleagues or your landlord or your cat, tell everyone about us. Share us on your social media. A lot of work and love were put into these stories, so we really want people to listen to them. And we're doing it all for free. So if you feel like contributing further, please visit funradiopodcast.com forward slash support and you can make a contribution which will reimburse the costs of making this podcast and also gauge the feasibility for making season two. If you're thinking, hey, this whole radio thing is cool, but what does all this stuff actually look like? Well, we have an Instagram, which is at funradiofromjapan. If you visit there, you can see photos of everything we talk about in the stories and lots of behind the scenes stuff too. If you want to contact us, please feel free to send us a DM there or email us at funradiofromjapan at gmail.com. The show's theme music is Sakura Daijobu by Otoro. Please visit funradiopodcast.com to find out more about Otoro and to see a full list of music credits. As always, thank you for listening. Next week on Fun Radio from Japan. Seems like a normal crowd of people, but the, more, the longer you look, it's like, oh no, these are people who've lost someone. I'd come into contact with the full face of Obon, and I was shocked. I mean, everybody knows that death is terrible, and that loss is terrible, and it's a chance for people to grieve openly, and, you know, with the full horror of what it is to lose somebody who you love. Bye, Dad. Later. See you next year. Join us again next week for The Great Departing. You're not going to want to miss it.